You're listening to Cape Watch Radio with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through the book of Acts. Come you sinners, poor, needy, and weak. He stands to save you now, full of pity and love, mighty power. He's willing and able, He calls you now. God's servants are immortal until the work is complete. No servant of the Most High God dies a premature death. No servant of the Most High God dies a premature death. We can see that in Psalm 34, where David is giving thanks to the Lord for his gracious protection from Abimelech. The Lord protected David from Abimelech's hand. Indeed, the Lord's hand was upon David, and nothing or no one could prevent God's purpose from being accomplished. Many of us tend to worry about the uncertainties we face when we're called to reach out in ministry. More specifically, when we're called to witness to a hostile environment, it can be pretty frightening. However, in today's message, Pastor Dave reminds us of God's sovereign hand in our lives and how nothing can come against us when we're in His will. Now here's Pastor Dave with part one of today's message entitled, The Providence of God. In his book entitled, Acts, the Church of Fire, R. Kent Hughes tells a story about a young missionary in his early 20s by the name of Raymond Edmond. It was in 1926, while in a mountain village in Ecuador, he fell ill from typhus fever. His illness was so bad and so intense that he was placed on a train and sent to the port city of Ecuador. Once there, they sent for his wife, and when she arrived, they told her that her husband would not survive. A fellow missionary offered to buy a black coffin for his friend's burial. Because Mrs. Edmund did not have a black dress, nor could she afford one, she dyed her wedding dress black. They even scheduled a time for the funeral, 3 o'clock on July 4, 1926. Years later in 1967, the same Dr. V. Redmond Edmond, the fourth president of Wheaton College, was addressing the student body when he collapsed suddenly after a slow half-turn and moments later passed into the presence of the King of Kings. It had been 41 years since those dark days in Ecuador, and he had known many years of fruitful service to our Lord and Savior. If there is a moral to the story, it is that God's servants are immortal until the work is complete. God's servants are immortal until the work is complete. No servant of the Most High God dies a premature death. No servant of the Most High God dies a premature death. We can see that in Psalm 34, where David is giving thanks to the Lord for his gracious protection from Abimelech. The Lord protected David from Abimelech's hand. Indeed, the Lord's hand was upon David, and nothing or no one could prevent God's purpose from being accomplished. And what an example of God's providential hand. As we look at verse 7, we see these words. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. We believe that this angel is none other than a pre-carnation appearance of Jesus Christ. And we've seen that time and time and time again in the Old Testament as we've studied it. So God was with David, and his providential hand was upon him. Nothing would happen to David unless God allowed it, unless God orchestrated it. David would be king of Israel. 
God would complete the work that he started in David. Interesting that Paul would write these very words in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. How could Paul write this? I mean, why was he so confident? Well, I believe in my heart that he was so confident because he personally knew that this was true. He personally knew that those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose, that God would work all things together for good and that would call them home when God decided, not when man decided. It was God's choice, not man's. Paul had experienced firsthand the providential hand of God, and he saw it working in his life. Last week, we saw Jesus come to visit Paul in a cell. He encouraged him to take courage. Look at verse 11. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must bear witness at Rome. Jesus appears to Paul in his darkest moment. Jesus appears to Paul in the midst of the direst circumstances and tells Paul, Take courage. I'm not finished with you yet, partner. And there's a lot of work to done and I've, to do, and I've chosen you to do it. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Spurgeon says of this very verse, let us trust in God and be very courageous for the gospel, for the Lord himself will screen us from harm. I love that verse. The Lord told Paul, take courage. Now Paul has to trust in the providential hand of God. St. Augustine said this, trust the past to the mercy of God, trust the present to his love, and trust the future to his providence. I like that. Like David, God had a job for Paul to do also, and no one or no thing could thwart God's plan. Christ's words greatly encouraged Paul, and he never, ever wavered again, despite all the immense perils that would befall him. He never wavered in his faith again. Paul, like David, had Christ's presence with him. Paul, like David, was called to take courage and not be afraid. And Paul, like David, had the promise of Christ to firmly believe and to keep serving his Lord faithfully. We have that same promise, you and I. We have that same promise. Those that have accepted Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross, those that have become born again, those who are his servants and serve him gladly with spirit and love. Those that have been called, we have this very promise. Do you realize what this must have done for Paul? Do you realize the excitement that must have happened in his heart when he knows he was going to Rome, which was one of his heart's desires? I mean, how much great relief did he feel when he knew he wasn't going to be executed in Jerusalem? How much better did he feel like, wait, wait a minute here, I might make it out of this. But what Paul did not know was the circumstances under which he would go to Rome. And that's where we're going in the next section of the book of Acts. I mean, not only is he going to get to go to Rome, but God is going to arrange an escort for him. God is going to arrange this magnificent time for Paul as we read on. See, like us Christians, we don't know all the plans God has for us or how he's going to work things out. We don't know his will for us But as Paul told the Philippians in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, one of my favorite verses, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind 
and reaching toward those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. What a mindset Paul had. What a mindset Paul had. Christ first, Christ first, Christ first. Paul was always looking forward. He was always looking ahead. What an example he is to us. Where our eyes need to be placed. Where do you place your eyes in the midst of a circumstance? Where do you place your hope in the midst of a trial? Where do you place your want and your dreams for anything that you might do? You place them on Christ. You place them on Christ for he is our hope. So in today's text, we see God working mightily behind the scenes for Paul. And I see two things that we can talk about that are taking place here this morning. The first thing I see is an assassin's plot. An assassin's plot. And the second thing I see is God's providential plan. God's providential plan. You know, it's always interesting to me. Maybe it's just me. Maybe you haven't experienced this. I don't know. But when you're in the midst of bad circumstances, when things seem to be going extremely wrong, and you pray, and you're confident that God is going to intervene, you're confident that God will work things together for good, but as you play, things seem to get worse. Is it me? or It just seems to get worse before they seem to get better. It's interesting. But remember, we don't really know God's plan. We don't know the completeness of God's plan. But we do fully know that it is God's plan, and we're to follow it. So our job, if you choose to accept it, Mr. Phelps, what did I just date myself? Our job is to trust in God that he will be with us in the midst of the circumstances that we're going through. And he will work all things together for good because his word says so and we're to believe and glean from his word. And if we don't believe and glean to his word, then why do we profess to be Christians? Why do we profess to say that we want that? Because his word's either true or it's not. There is no midway. You can't believe in some of the book and not some of the book. You have to believe in the book, all of it. Jesus appeared to Paul that night in that dark, damp dungeon. Jesus appeared to him, and the light shone gloriously. And he said, Paul, take courage. You're going to go to Rome, and you're going to testify of me there just like you did here in Jerusalem. Jesus didn't tell Paul how he was going to get there. Now it was Paul's job to trust by faith that it would happen and to follow everything that was going on accordingly. We have to do the same in the midst of all our circumstances. What a great comfort to know that those of us who are in Jesus Christ, those of us that have been reconciled to God by faith in Jesus Christ, that God is for us, not against us. What a great situation to know. It's a great comfort to know that God protects his saints and is ever at work on their behalf. God sees the big picture, the beginning and the end, and by faith, we must trust him. Let's keep this in mind as we read through these verses today. Let's keep this in mind, and let's look to see how this all sets up. Let's look at verses 12 through 15. And when it was day, some of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. Now there were more than 40 who had formed this conspiracy, they came to the chief priests and elders, and they said, We have bound ourselves under a great oath that we eat nothing until we have killed Paul. 
Now you, therefore, together with the council, suggest to the commander that he be brought down to you tomorrow, as though you were going to make further inquiries concerning him. But we are ready to kill him before he comes near. So here we see the assassin's plot. This is the plot to kill Paul. Have you ever noticed how the enemy is always trying to thwart the plans of God? He's always trying to thwart your plans. When you know you're in God's will, and you know you're moving into God's will, and he's leading you, and you're following, by, you're being led along, Satan always comes along and throws all this stuff in front of you, trying to trip you up, trying to get you off track, trying to get your eyes unfocused. He does that constantly. He loves to thwart God's plan. Jesus said, you're going to Rome, Paul. Satan said, oh, no, he's not. And he gets 40 guys. 40 guys, most of them Jews, they band together for this conspiracy, and they actually swore an oath that they wouldn't eat or drink until Paul was dead. That's how bad they wanted this guy dead. They even asked the chief priests and the council to be co-conspirators. And asking them, say, hey, commander, you tell Paul that we want to talk to him again. We want to talk to him again, and you bring him down before us because he'll never make it. This was an elaborate scheme. What a plot. The high chief himself was involved. Maybe he was a whitewashed wall. Maybe he was something different about him because here he is plotting to kill a person. The Roman and Jews had cooperated like this before. This would be a cinch. They must have been pretty proud of themselves, thinking, yeah, we're going to take this guy out. I can see him high-fiving and fist-pumping, you know, giving the fist, come on, yeah, we're going to take this guy out. They must have really been proud of themselves. Oh, the schemes of man. Oh, the schemes that we plan and the weave that we make. The schemes of man. But let me ask you something. What are the schemes of man compared to the providence of God? What are the schemes of man compared to the providence of God? I saw a couple of you mouth, nothing, and you're exactly right. Nothing. You know, Paul would write to the Roman believers in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Do you believe this? Do you believe this very scripture? Can you receive this? Can you receive the scripture? Because it's interesting that in his commentary, the commentator Newell says this, quote, our weak hearts, prone to legalism and unbelief, receive these words with great difficulty, God is for us. Why is there difficulty in receiving this? Because we have failed him, but he's for us. We are ignorant of his ways, but he's for us. We have not yet brought much fruit, but he's for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? This is the question Paul asked. Now, we know that Satan is against us. We know that the world is against us. But the idea here is, who is Satan compared to God? Who is the world compared to God? David, once again, in Psalm 118, verse 6, says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do. So here David's saying, hey, the Lord's on my side. He's on my side. It's like we had first choice. We had first choice of all the people to play on our team. And before we chose him, he chose us. He chose us, and we're on his team. We're on his team, and in case you haven't read the end of the book, we win. We win. How comforting it is, how reassuring it is. God is for me. 
God is for me. Say it. God is for me. Yes, he is. God is for us. God is on my side. Therefore, what am I going to fear what man can do? Now, man condemns me. Man finds fault with me. Sometimes there's a lot of fault to find. And I condemn myself. I find fault with myself. But I don't need to fear what man will say because the Lord is on my side. And that, to me, is great encouragement. Great encouragement. God is for me. What a glorious truth. Can you receive this today? God is for you. If you've accepted the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, if you're born again into a living hope, God is for you. You're on the winning team. He is with you. And because God is with you, God is for you, I don't care what the forces of hell may have against you. They are nothing compared to God. They are nothing compared to our God. How do I know this? Because Paul continues and he says in Romans 8.32, he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. The word delivered up here means speaking of the cross. God delivered his very own son, Jesus, to die on a cruel Roman cross. God delivered his own son to die for my sins, to die for your sins. God delivered his son so that he would suffer, be despised, and rejected to reconcile me back to him. It was God's way of telling me he loved me. It was God's way of saying, I love you. And this is the demonstration of my love, my son, hanging on a cross, dying for you. See, what these 40 conspirators failed to realize that God was for Paul and God was on Paul's side. They failed to realize that they were now not fighting Paul. They weren't fighting against this sect, this, these Christians. They were now fighting against God. They were fighting against the God of the universe, the creator of all things. See, what Paul told them was true. Paul had seen Jesus on the way to Damascus. He had seen the risen Lord. That was true. Paul was called to be an apostle by the Lord himself. Paul had been chosen to deliver the gospel to the Gentiles. And by being chosen, it meant he was now protected by God. It meant that nothing could harm him. Nothing could befall him because God was for him. And this gave Paul great courage. It gave him great confidence because the Lord was with him. The Lord told Paul that, hey, you're going to Rome, and nothing's going to stop that. The Lord is not slack in his promises. The Lord is not slack in his promises. If he says it, it will come to pass. We must be aware of that. There is not one promise in this book that either hasn't come true or will come true. Not one promise. This book will not fail. So if you turned on Fox News this morning and you heard about all the crazy things that are going on in Syria and you're getting a little upset about what's happening in the world, relax, Christian. God has it under control. And God is for you, not against you. If you have health problems, life problems, relationship problems, financial problems, family problems, if you have any type of problems at all, relax, Christian. God is for you. He is not against you. And he's working even these horrible, nasty things in your life together for good. And they will show themselves good in his time. Relax. Take courage, Christian. God is in control. The Lord is by your side. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we see the assassin's plot. The next thing that we see is God's providential hand. And for this, we're going to look at the next six verses, beginning in verse 16. So when Paul's sister's son heard their ambush, 
he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, Take this young man to the commander, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the commander and said, Paul, the prisoner called me to him and asked me to bring this young man to you. He has something to say to you. Then the commander took him by the hand, went aside and asked privately, What is it that you have to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to ask that you bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire more fully about him. But do not yield to them. For more than 40 of them lie in wait for him, men who have bonded themselves by an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready, waiting for the promise for you. So the commander let the young man depart and commanded him, telling no one that you have revealed these things to me. And he called the two centurions, saying, Prepare 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, 200 spearsmen to go to Caesarea at the third hour of the night and provide mounts to set Paul on and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. Wow. God intervened. God intervened on Paul's behalf by having this unidentified nephew. What? Up until this scripture, we didn't even know Paul had a sister. We didn't even know Paul had a sister until this scripture right here. But all of a sudden, this unidentified nephew shows up. How did he even get near the high priest? How did he even get near them? But he shows up and he's there. God has a plan. God has a perfect plan. And he had the the, the nephew at the perfect place within earshot of everything that was going on. And then now when I ask you the question, how did Paul get from there? I mean, how did the nephew get from there? We don't even know his name. How did the nephew get from there in to see Paul? But he was there right at the time when the assassination plot was unveiled. And he heard it. And he, oh, I got to tell Paul. I got to tell Paul. It was only by God's providential hand that this plot was made known. God was watching out for Paul. God had everything in control, including Paul's escort out of town. As we looked at the final verses, we saw that he says to the two centurions, hey, get some soldiers. Don't even get some soldiers. Get 200 of them. Get 70 horsemen. Get 200 spearsmen. Come on. We got to get this guy out of (laughs) here. Paul's visit to Jerusalem ends in style. He's not leaving Jerusalem as a prisoner. He's leaving Jerusalem as a king with this huge escort of people, escort of army men carrying him out. He leaves like royalty, just like God views him as royalty. What about the 40 conspirators? Well, they left Jerusalem very, very hungry and very, very thirsty. If you didn't get that, go back and read the verses. God goes behind the scenes in our lives every single day, day in and day out. God is working constantly in our lives And it may be as something that my wife and I were up in uh, Phoenixville just Thursday to visit our one son who had just moved into a new apartment and our granddaughter. Had a wonderful visit, but on the way home, I was listening to my GPS and I kind of was not paying attention. And I looked up and here comes on my side of the road, an emergency vehicle, lights blaring, coming right at me. No siren, no nothing, but there he is. He turned off this way and he went by. Only by the grace of God, God's providential hand had me look up. It was only by the grace of God, because nothing's going to happen to me until God's timing's perfect. And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. That's chapter 4, verse 31 of the book Pastor Dave is currently teaching through, Acts. 
You've been listening to Cape Watch Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at info at capewatchradio.com. That's info at capewatchradio.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Calvary Chapel, Cape May, can be downloaded from our website at www.capewatchradio.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place your order, you can always call us at 609-884-5821. We'll be happy to help you. Again, our phone number is 609-884-5821. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church? If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to Him by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Pastor Dave also shares in-depth Bible studies every Wednesday night at 6.30. For more information, including driving directions, visit capewatchradio.com. We hope to see you soon. Now please place a marker in your Bibles and make plans to join us again. Pastor Dave will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Acts, right here on Cape Watch Radio.